welcome to the Genesis Church Podcast. Well, good morning. Welcome back to Genesis Church. Here's what I need. There's some seats on the front row for those of you standing on the back wall, and there's some seats over here. If you came on the campus this morning and noticed a bunch of blue t-shirts, that is Westridge Middle School Group. They are from our home church, our mother church in Atlanta, Georgia. And so every uh, year in February, they have a winter break. And for 13 years, they have been coming here on their winter break to kind of do local missions and outreach and things like that. And so they're with us today. They'll be with us all week. They'll be doing some campus work tomorrow, beautification all around here. They'll be working with Straight Street and a bunch of other things. And so if you see all of them, say hello to them. Welcome them this morning with us. Uh, we're really glad to have them here. Isn't it so fun to get the front row right in front of everybody while they're all watching and staring at you, especially when you're in middle school? Um, with that, uh, the, the other guy leading worship here today, his name's Jason Chandler, if you don't know who he is. And uh, he is one of the founding pastors of Genesis Church. So he moved here with me from Atlanta, Georgia, and helped us start this church. And we're here for almost five years. And then he turned his back on God, and he went back to Georgia. And so we're working with him through his, his relationship with Jesus as we currently speak. Um, but we allowed him to lead worship today, to be nice to him. No, we're glad that he's here. Welcome. Welcome all those watching online through Facebook, YouTube, and our website. As always, make sure you check in with our online host. Let me pray, and we'll get started. Father, today, what we just sang is what we believe. The same God that did what we're about to read is the same God moving and working right now. And so it is the very reason that we're opening your word together and we're walking through this adventure with each other. God, move today in our hearts and our minds. May we be different when we leave this place than when we walked into it today. In your name I pray, amen. This, this last week, I had one of those weeks where nothing went right. It started with the fact that I got news over something I've been praying about for months upon months upon months, and I was just sure, God, you are going to answer it exactly the way I have been praying you would answer it, and he didn't. And so I wasn't freaking out, but I was frustrated. God, I keep coming to you, and I keep pouring myself out, and I'm not getting the results, and, and I'm not seeing you answer the prayer. I'm hoping that you would answer for us. And then on Monday afternoon, my wife called me and she said, hey, I was on the 408 and the van started shaking while I was driving and the check engine light came on. I think we need to take it into the shop. And so I thought, well, it hasn't been a great day. That'll just put a good cap on the end of it. And as the week went on, my daughter turned 10, my youngest, this past week. And that's a whole different set of problems, okay? <laughs> At 10 with a girl who already thinks she's 21, all the things she thinks a 10-year-old birthday should bring her that I'm having to say, not yet, you're not old enough, you're not wearing that, you're not putting that on your face, like all this stuff. And then just on Thursday, as I was dropping off at school right here, and I was making my way down East Colonial, I left the stoplight, and all of a sudden I heard, and I thought, I got a flat tire. You got to be kidding me. Like this is just one of those weeks where nothing, is going the way I wanted them to go. And so I pulled off in Wawa to put air in my tire. And the guy in front of me said, hey, man, if you're coming to get air in your tire, this machine isn't working. And I just thought, 
So I was like, well, I'll just pull in the Publix behind it. I'm going to have to take the tire off. I'm going to have to put a spare on. And when I did, the man that was at the air pump followed me in. And he said, hey, do you need help? And I said, no, I think I've got it. And he jumped out and kind of said, hey, let me help you anyways. And as he kept talking to me, I realized he wants to keep talking to me. And all I'm thinking in my mind is, can this guy be quiet? I've got to get a tire on and I've got to get to my day. And then God told me this. Stop worrying about your tire. Turn around and listen to this man. And for the next 45 minutes, this man named Tony from New York with his full accent, who has been living here for decades, began to tell me how he worked on the police force and has just recently stepped off of it. The struggles he's going through with his daughters, how he grew up in church, how he loves God, but he's lost his faith in the brick and mortar church and all these things. And at the end of all of it, I find myself with my hands on him, praying over him as he's in tears. And God's telling me, that tire, don't worry about that tire. And I'm sitting here going, yeah, God, but I know that tire was needing to be changed, which means all four of them are going to be changed. And you're playing that game in your head, right? And God's saying, no, 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 no. I was using this moment that you think is testing you for something different. When we're tested, our true selves are revealed. God tests us because he wants to know what's inside our hearts. Today, I want you to hear this. Your actions reflect your soul. What is going on deep down inside of you is what everyone else is experiencing around you. If you're new, if you're fairly new, if you're watching online for the very first time, just so that you know, this year we are in an adventure together. We are walking through the whole story of God from beginning to end. And obviously we can't hit every story, but we're hitting major portions of the story, the scope of God's word. And we're calling it the never ending story because it never stops. You never stop learning and being changed by it. If you're taking notes, they'll put a QR code on the screen in just a moment with resources and, and, and different ways you can take this further because we're not able to get into everything we want to share with you. We take some of what's happening here on Sunday, and because we can't unpack it, we have a post-Sunday podcast that you can download on Spotify and iTunes, where we take it deeper and further into the story to help you understand as much of the Bible as we possibly can. But we, won't just, we don't just want head knowledge. We want your hearts and your mind and your lives to be changed. And as we've been marching through this, what you may have realized is that for three weeks, we have parked on one central character, Abraham. Why is it important with the pace that we're moving that we stop on the story of Abraham? Obviously, he's the patriarch of our faith. He's the forefather of our faith. But it's what God does with Abraham and what he does through Abraham that we're paying attention to. And one of the things we know is that the story of Abraham is filled with tests and trials. It's really a story of obedience versus disobedience. And what we've been discovering is this. It's not how fast you respond to obedience, but how long you're willing to stay in it that matters. It's not just how fast. Some of us, God speaks to us and we get caught up in the moment and in the emotion and we go, this needs to change. God is telling me I should change this. And we rush out and we change it. And in days and weeks, it kind of fades because we did it quickly, but we didn't stay with it. And so God is saying, listen, I'm wanting you to respond quickly, but I'm wanting you to stay with it. I want you to stay obedient to me. I want you to stay faithful to me. And when we look at this story of Abraham, what we notice that God, is that God takes him through 10 different tests, 
10 different tests that many of us would give up on. And you can go back and you can watch the other sermons. You can go to the podcast to listen through some of them because I'm not going to be able to hit them today. But we talked about him leaving his home, about famine in the land, about his wife being taken, about him ending up in war. And today we're going to talk about the final test. If you've grown up in church, you've heard this story. If you've never been in church or you've just started coming to church, your mind's going to be blown by this story. I mean, this is one of the stories that we have a hard time wrapping our heads around no matter how much we study it because sometimes it just doesn't quite make sense. And we have to be okay with the mysteries of God. That's part of our faith where we don't get all the answers to all the questions we want to ask. But this story is an important story. This story is one of the most known stories in all the scriptures a devout Jew cites this story every morning before their morning prayer. It is read all throughout the year in their synagogues. It is a story many of us know because it foreshadows and it tells us things about our Messiah, Jesus, and the resurrection that we talk about and we know about within our salvation. And so if you have your Bibles or a iPad or an iPhone and you have an app, we'll have it on the screen. We start today in Genesis chapter 22. This is how the story begins. After these things, it tells us up front, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham? And here's Abraham's response. Maybe highlight it, underline it, circle it, because it happens all throughout the story of Abraham. And we're going to come back to it at the very end. Here I am, he said. God tells him, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. At this point, if you don't know the story, you're going, what is going on? So Abraham rose early in the morning. I don't have time to unpack all of that. Just pay attention to that. It, rising early in the morning shows his obedience to God. He didn't wake up and say, hey, God, what we talked about last night or what you told me, can we sit around and reason that for a moment? Like the request you made of me, can we talk about if there's options in this or if there's another way? He said, no, he rose up early right away to do what God asked him to do. He saddled his donkey and he took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place from afar, then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy Isaac will go over there and worship. That's a key word that I want to come back to this morning and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, he responded, there it is again. Here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When you read the beginning of the story, you can't wrap yourself around it. I've heard it since a child. I've studied it most of my life. And I still think, God, if you came to me and you asked me to do this, would I even contemplate obeying you? 
I can't understand how this could be a test. I can't understand how you would have this request. I can't understand how this would be the final moment where you were trying to truly see what was deep inside the soul of Abraham. And I'm thinking about Abraham for a moment because I'm like, listen, this guy, he just pleaded with God on behalf of a wicked city, Sodom and Gomorrah. Why is he not pleading with God on behalf of his very son? Why is he not saying, please, God, don't ask me to do this very thing? Why is it he would do it there and he wouldn't do it now? And we're back to what we're trying to focus on this morning is that our actions reflect our soul. See, your soul is that thing deep down inside of you you're always trying to get right or fix that you can't quite put your finger on. So you will try anything to fill that void and that emptiness. You will chase after things. You will try to acquire things. You you will try to fill it with a person, a relationship, a substance, whatever it is, because you know deep down inside something's not right, and it's just in turmoil, and that's your soul. And when it's broken, nothing is ever going to be right. When your soul is broken, your actions become reactionary. It's that moment when you say, I don't usually respond like this, or I'm getting a lot more frustrated and agitated. My spouse keeps telling me, that's not how you usually talk. Why why are you being that way? And you can't really answer it, and then you want to fight it, but what it's really exposing is something is broken in your soul right now. You might be going through a hard circumstance. You might be facing something no one knows about, whatever it is, but your soul is in turmoil. When your soul is broken, it shows your weariness. We're really good at making ourselves weary. Our schedules are really busy. We got a lot of things on our plate. And what we'll do is we'll kind of like skirt around the issue. Well, the reason that, that I am the way that I am is because I'm not getting the right sleep. I just feel like I'm on the go all the time. I feel like I'm always doing something. And just maybe, just maybe, just maybe it might be your soul that needs a little mending. When your soul is broken, your actions will be filled with distrust. You trust nobody. You don't trust me. You don't trust God. You don't trust your spouse. You don't trust your boss. You don't trust your coach. You don't trust your teacher. At this moment inside, without verbalizing it, you say, I only trust me to get this right at this moment. When your soul is broken, you are not the you you're supposed to be. But when your soul is full, when your soul is full, then you're healthy. It's that time where you're going, man, I just feel like I'm at a really good spot right now. I'm at a really good place right now. I feel like right now I'm headed in the right direction. Doesn't mean everything is perfect, but I feel like, God, right now, this is where you have me and where you want me to be, and I'm okay with that. When when your soul is full, you're content. You're not chasing other things. You're not sitting around going, well, if I just had that, or if I could bring this into my life, or if I could attempt that, if I had this amount of friends, if I had this person in a relationship with me in my life, you're like, I am content because God has me where I need to be. And it's not filled with distrust when your soul is full. It's filled with faith. This, this is the, the point in time where you meet people that you just don't like in the moment. Because you say things like, hey, how's that working out for you? Because I don't see an outcome. And they respond, it's okay, God's got it. And you're like, that's annoying. (laughs) 
because it doesn't seem like he's got it. Why do they keep saying stuff like that? Because their faith is different. I've seen him work, and I know he will work. I didn't just read about his work in the Bible. I've seen it firsthand in my own life. And what we begin to realize is that every turn in our life is a test, a test that will expose our faith. And when we begin to, to, to really get into it, when we begin to really unpack it, what we need to understand and what we will always tell you within this church is that faith is not just a belief. Faith is an action. Because faith implies and requires faithfulness. It is not just, I believe in, in a faithful God. It is also, I stay faithful to the faithful God I believe in. They go hand in hand. And there are a lot of us, we want God to be faithful, but we're not faithful to him. And the story of Abraham is someone who was obedient whenever God asked him to be obedient. It does not mean he was perfect. It does not mean you will not mess up. It does not mean that you will not make a wrong decision or a dumb choice. But what it means is that you recognize it. The last few chapters in Genesis, it's been this sin, that sin, this sin of these people, and we realize that God hates sin and sin has consequences. But some of us haven't woken up to that. We keep going back to our sin instead of stepping forward in obedience to God, what God is calling us to do. And when we come to Abraham's life, I believe that as you read the stories, you find three characteristics of his faith that we need right now. The first one is this. When you're, when you're trying to pass these tests of life, it is going to take stubborn optimism. Now, some of you just said, great, I'm halfway there because I'm as stubborn as an ox. <laughs> but you're a stubborn pessimist. You're stubborn in the fact that you don't think it's going to work out. You're stubborn in the fact that you think you don't need God. You're not stubborn in the fact that you know God is who he says he is. As a matter of fact, God's way is better. And what it takes in these tests is to truly be stubborn about that. I don't know how it's going to play out. I don't know where he's taking me. I don't know how this is going to look. But I stubbornly believe his way is better than mine. It's a confidence in God, not confusion in God. That's why we open up his word. It's a confidence that God does what he promises to do always. And it's a steadfast obedience. It's a quick obedience, and then it's a stay in it obedience. I stay obedient to God. Even when I mess up, I, I come back to God. Every time I take a misstep, I come back to God. I cannot be faithful to sin and faithful to God. It doesn't work that way. The second part of the story, Genesis chapter 22, verse 9, says this. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then Abram reached out his hand and he took the knife to slaughter his son. If you're new to church, you're going, this is why. I don't know if I want to follow your God. <laughs> why would he ever, ever ask that? But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, his response again, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear 
God. Can you just highlight that in your Bible if you have it? If you're taking notes, can you write that down? Can I tell you that you need a biblical fear of God in your life? Yes, God is your friend. But some of you have thought he's such your friend that he allows you to do anything your friends allow you to do. And you have no fear of God in your life that the almighty God is asking you to do something. And he tells Abraham, that's what I found in your life. All of a sudden in this test, I know above all else with this test, you fear me. Seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide as it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Let me give you some insight into who Abraham is as a person, according to scripture. Did you know that Abraham was an altar builder? So why do I need to know that? Everywhere Abraham built, his first response to God was to build an altar to sacrifice and worship God. You can go all the way back to the beginning of the story in Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 12, it says, Then the Lord appeared to Abraham. Listen to me if you were with us. This is after he said, Go to the land, I'll show you. I won't name it right now. I won't actually let you see it right now. You'll just have to trust me all the way to it. And so on this journey, it tells us that he tells him, I will give you this land and your offspring. So what does Abraham do? He stops and he builds an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Next verse, he travels a little bit further. And he moved to the hill with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built what? An altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord Everywhere he went, he built an altar to worship God. Last week, we were with some of our lead team members, and one of them spoke so beautifully into the story. She said, I just have this picture that everywhere he went, he built these altars, and he just left them behind and moved to the next place. And I have this picture because I'm thinking about the people that came behind Abraham that knew nothing of him, but they just kept running into these altars everywhere. Who is this person that keeps building these altars of sacrifice and worship? What is he, what is he doing? What is he believing in? What is he following? And this is the heart of Abraham is to build altars to God to show his soul and to show the actions of his soul that he will obediently and faithfully do whatever it is that God has asked him to do. As I was studying this portion of the story over the last few weeks, I began to think about what it must have been like for him to really build this altar. Because I began to think about myself and my son and my children. And if God had asked the very thing of me, and then I begin to think about the fact that building an altar, it takes time. It's not something easy. As a matter of fact, Abraham would have had to go and find some rocks all around and begin to stack them. And I wonder how many rocks it took. And I wonder how many stones he had to find big enough to build an altar that his son could lay across. How high, how wide, how deep. 
And every time he went back to the hillside to get another rock, how many times in his head he was thinking to himself, God, if there is any other way, don't let this play out. God, if there's anything else you could request of me, I would be willing to do it. But God, not this one. God, if you're asking me to do the most unthinkable thing possible, what are you up to right now? What is it? I've been obedient for nine tests. I've showed you that I am going to faithfully obey you. And yet this is your final test with me. And I think about grabbing that rock as a father and your son is maybe helping you and he begins to ask those questions. Dad, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? And I imagine he has this big lump in his throat as he looks at his son because he literally can't speak knowing you're the sacrifice. I'm gonna ask you in a few minutes to lay down your life on top of that. And I wonder, as he got to the very end and he got those final rocks, if he's like, God, you, you could stop this right now. Stop it. You could do something totally different. And yet God is saying, no, I'm waiting for you to put the final rock down. The final piece of the altar. Then I'm going to intervene. And I don't know for some of you that are here today or watching online what it is God has been doing in your life and what he's trying to do right now where he is looking down at you and the spirit of God is speaking to you and he's saying, hey, there's that thing in your life you won't let go of. I want that on the altar. I want that thing that is most important and precious to you because you have elevated above me. And I want to know that your soul is willing to be obedient all the way to the end. That that is your act of worship to me. I will build the altar to the final stone, God, if that's what you ask me to do. And I don't know if it's something as simple as God saying, hey, listen, that thing in your life, you don't think it's a big deal, but the words that come out of your mouth, they don't please me. And you keep justifying why you get to say them to people because your soul's broken and you're always reactionary. Or the way you speak to your spouse, the way you speak to your children. Maybe some of you, he's saying, listen, your soul's broken and instead of coming to me and putting it on the altar, you keep trying to chase some substance to fill you to make it all go away. And I need that. That's got to go. For some of you, it's a relationship. If I don't have this person in my life right now, I will be empty and void. And he says, hey, maybe that's what needs to be laid down here today. Your heart reflects the actions of your soul. The scriptures tell us about Abraham and the New Testament. It tells us that by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he used to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he's going. That was the first test. And all along the way, he had a response to God. His response to God was a little Hebrew word 
Hanani. Say it. Hanani. 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 And it was his response. Here I am. Better yet, it can mean at your service. Abraham, go. Hanani. Abraham, do this. Hanani. Abraham, bring me your son. Hanani. That was in his soul. Here I am, God. I'm at your service. I truly believe your way is better. And you will do what you promised to do. You say, how did he believe that in this story? Well, the writer in Hebrews tells us in verse 17, he says this. He says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he knew he had received the promises, was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom he said, God said, listen, it's through this son, Isaac, I'm going to bless the world. All the offspring shall be named. And then he considered this. God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. He has such stubborn optimism, such confidence in God, with such a steadfast obedience that he said, God, if I have to take this knife into my son, I believe you are powerful enough to raise him back from the dead because you got a promise to fulfill through him. Your actions reflect your soul. And for some of us, our soul needs to change to just a small little Hebrew word. Hanani, here I am, God. I'm at your service. Whatever you ask, whatever you want, it's yours. Because I truly have faith that your way is better. That's real faith. It's not about halfway faith. This isn't about Sunday-only faith. This isn't, I grew up in some religious background faith. This is faith that I personally believe the creator of the universe is who he says he is. He does what he promises to do. His way is better. And so, Hanani, here I am. I am at your service. And I will be steadfastly obedient all the way to the very last brick. With heads bowed and eyes closed. There are some of you that have been in a long wrestling match with God. And for quite some time, he's been saying, hey, this is it. This is the thing I need you to let go of so that I can show you my way is better. And you have stubbornly fought God instead of stubbornly been optimistic about God. And you have let other voices confuse you about God's calling instead of being confident in his word. And God is saying today, I want your steadfast obedience. And I am looking for you to bend your knee and say, here I am. I'm at your service. Hanani. In just a moment, we're going to open up this altar. And some of you, before you leave this place today, that's what God's asking you to do. Come bend your knee before me and just say, here I am. I'm at your service. No more excuses. No more trying to reason. 
No more choosing your way over God's way. I truly believe your way is better. And so I surrender. I surrender it right here at this altar and I give it to you. Father, today, move in our hearts and in our minds. Holy Spirit of God, move in a supernatural way that we have no strength or power to do on our own. Touch some hearts today. Let them know you are wanting to transform them before they leave this place. But you're waiting and you're looking to see if they're willing to come open their heart before you. To bend a knee in prayer and just say, Hineni, 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 Hineni. Here I am. I am at your service. Whatever you're asking me to put on the altar, today it's yours. Father, move and work. In your name I pray, amen. I'm gonna ask you to stand on your feet as we worship. And during this time, the altar is open.